Hello everyone, welcome back to the celebration of singleness. My name is Shama um, and I, we're continuing in the topic of conflict resolution. And today I want to talk about like when you get into conflicts early on in dating. <laughs> and uh, so today I want to share like, I'm going to end up sharing like two dreams and uh, definitely an experience that um that God used to explain everything to me and break down certain spirits and I'm just my goal today is just to to help my single ladies out there that when you meet a guy to still um not just rely on discernment which is like an intuition of feeling who's good and who's bad not to rely on that but to allow biblical knowledge um a desire for biblical knowledge to come within you and as you learn more about the word you start to be able to identify the spirits that are coming against you so it doesn't hinder you from your promised land and that's my goal so and I play on that by um you know introducing certain questions not just for me but for also for you so I want to uh you know go over that today so but I always like to offer you guys my emails I love testimonies I love questions I love all of that so send it to me at s-h-a-m-m-a-d-i-e-u-j-u-s-t-e at yahoo.com I'm gonna restate it at the end of the um at the end of the podcast but um my first question today right it's gonna be what does conflicts in early dating tell you? Should we take it serious? I believe that, again, always ask these questions for yourself. Even if you got to write down the questions and ponder on them later, my goal is for me to share my experiences in order to influence and encourage you to then answer it as you're going through this cycle of dating and, and all that. Because the goal is, is for us to celebrate singleness and not and be like kind of what this experience taught me that if I wasn't so in tuned with um, and in love with being single, then I think it would have been easy for me to fall into a trap like this. And I probably have fallen into them in the past, but that's what happens as you mature. It becomes harder for you to, to take your eyes off God. And so, um, but I think it's also important to know the tricks that the enemy tries to pull to take your eyes off God. So back to our question, what does conflicts in early dating tell you? And should we take it serious? And I believe that we definitely should, um, that you should consider the early signs of what God is trying to tell you. I believe that when you pay attention to the early signs, it can save you time. It saves, it saves you time of being distracted and it gets you right back into the will of God. And it really takes away um, someone's ability to kind of yank on you to come down the path that they want you as opposed to the path that God wants you. And all of that just comes from a commitment of God first. And I'm willing to reject this and trust that God has a better one coming. And that's why this counterfeit is coming. And so, um, but this is why I believe it's important to take it serious. And depending on how the person comes at you, and how much God is allowing you to discern, I believe that you should just cut it off with no hesitation um, and not even give the person an opportunity to keep reintroducing their demons to you. Um, and I believe that the more you grow in discerning of spirits, which is 
when you get into the biblical knowledge of how to identify each spirit, then I think that you should know how to move accordingly. I don't think it should be done in fear, running away, but it should definitely be done in a way of definitely limiting the connection that we allow people to have to our soul as a as a result of what God exposes to you, right? So I have this um this this guy that I met online <laughs> and um you know, I'm not going to tell you his name, but I met this guy online and I was a little probably too upfront with my page and what I wanted. And um and so like, you know, and I made it known that I like purposeful conversations. I love talking about God and I made that very known. And I also made it known that marriage is like the goal, <laughs> which I'm learning is probably something I should probably just kind of keep more to the imagination. So it gives men a lot less um, things to play with. So this guy, um, you know, started off our conversation was all about purpose and all that. And it seemed great and everything went well. And then... Um, it's funny and then it's like this incrementally happened in different stages so the first one was a message and it was like okay it was cool the message went well and then it went well enough we started to message each other well enough that you know that he asked for my number and I was like okay I think I'm okay with that um and then um I remember I mentioned our first conversation he quickly wanted to like get into talking on the phone. And then I mentioned our first conversation that my birthday was coming up and that he wanted to come over and like take me out. And I just felt like I wanted to slow it down. I felt like he was trying to speed it up. And I was just like, no, I'm not trying to speed anything up. I feel like meeting you would speed things up and I want to slow it down. And this strategy was really just me attempting to um, manage the pace of it and not let him rush me where it bypasses a lot of the things that's important to get to know about him before I decide if I'm willing to trust going further with this guy. I don't know him enough to, to begin meeting with him. And that was something that I made known to him. It's like, for all I know, you can be a serial killer. I need to be, I need to have a level of trust with you before I meet you. And so he understood that. But it didn't stop him from continuing to try. And I kept saying no. Um, and I told him that I normally go out by myself on my birthday as a treat to myself. Can't do that in quarantine. But um, it definitely was something that, like, I looked forward to doing. Like, it wasn't something I did out of loneliness. It was really just something I did to celebrate the season that I'm in and being present. So... So he, so the first conversation we have, he goes into, I mean, I, I didn't get not one word in. And when I did get a word in, it seemed to aggravate him a little bit, um, which was a red flag to me. Um, he talked about, a real, he literally exposed the fact, it, it was like he was like a, a, a well, like he was just exposing everything. Um, he told me he was married. He told me that he committed adultery. So I knew that there was a level of lust in there. Um, he told me he made it seem as if like the issue was more her, that she pulled away after she had the second kid. So, and he took no accountability for anything. And to me, that was a red flag. Anytime someone talks about their ex and everything is the ex's fault and not theirs, 
um, that means that there's an unresolved issue that's gonna re-manifest in your relationship because that person hasn't resolved a character flaw that they needed to fix and they managed to make it all the woman's fault and so you already know that you're you're dealing with someone who kind of um, is good at blaming others more than taking accountability and so I was already like on guard the more he talked the more on guard I became because he was exposing a lot of spiritual issues that he wasn't aware that he was telling me and so at this point like maybe like about an hour into him just like talking I quickly realized okay I don't even know if this guy even qualifies as a friend at this point so I started to <laughs> so I started to kind of just to give him a hint that I didn't look at him like that I kind of started to encourage him to make things better with his wife and that there was no real reason why they were broken up and maybe she was waiting for him to fight for her again um you know by trying to make things right after cheating on her and and um and then we quickly hung up the phone he abruptly finished because he was in the middle of work or whatever and then the next no two days later he's supposed to call me the next day but i didn't really care whether i spoke to him or not and then because <laughs> i had so much i was doing and then the day after that he calls me for my birthday no he texts me and then figures oh well let me call her we quickly get into a conversation. The conversation quickly turns for the worst. It was just, like, weird. And um, he made a joke. And I thought, I thought I heard him say something about witchcraft. And then I jokingly said it. And then he said, speaking of witchcraft, he goes in to start telling me about, um, um, like, the, you know, like, the, the horoscopes and all that other stuff. And, um, and... I understood the horoscopes because I used to believe that stuff until I realized how uh, demonic it is. <laughs> and um, not at its root, because at its root, I believe that um, astrology was created to, to look at the promises in the sky from when Abraham, um, from when God had told Abraham to look into the stars. And I believe that's when it was created. And pr the prophets had created it to, to see the promises in the sky for each month represented something and now over time obviously everything kind of tends to get demonized but right now astrology is primarily operated through the demonic realm and not so much the prophetic realm because now we have jesus so it's not really you know what i mean like god will give you prophecy about someone individually i don't need to use the stars in order to prophesy over someone because the one who made the stars talk to me just talks to me directly so when this guy kept trying to push astrology on me, it was like very confusing for me because he couldn't, he was trying to convince me to do something that he couldn't understand my understanding because he talks so much over me that he was trying to use his logic to manipulate me and it just didn't make sense. Because in my head, I talk to God directly. You're talking to God's creation that gives you some sort of ability to assume something based on when they were born and um and for me that doesn't to me I had a hard time registering that because it's like why would I go from the superior connection with God down to your level because it's what you want and I think in the past it would have been easier to give into the pressure of a guy um but because I'm so 
in tune with my relationship with God, it's a lot harder for me to take in that level of um, manipulation and be okay with it. And, um, and, and at this point, I'm not afraid to be like, no, I'm not going to believe that just because you think it makes sense. And he had a hard time with that. So he started calling me stubborn and rigid. And he was like, and what was so beautiful about him saying that, I think he thought I was going to take it offense. And I was like, you know, I should be offended by the way, the intention that you're saying it. But I'm so flattered by it because it's actually a compliment. And then he was kind of thrown off by me saying that. And I was like, because what you're telling me is that my relationship with God is so strong that you actually can't manipulate me to partner with what you believe. I was like, I'm super flattered by that because what you're feeling is the strength of my spirit and how much I'm submitted to God. And that was what I took out of that. And it was just amazing, really, (laughs) because I didn't think it's like for me to have like to to interact with someone and to notice all these spirits on them it was just interesting that through that even that demonic realm was just like damn like we can't manipulate you the way we want and it was just so amazing and that was kind of some of the stuff I took out of it and I started to learn like he was motivated by lust every step of the way um and he was motivated by lust and him trying to manipulate me to get my belief to turn away from God to astrology. Because if he can convince me to listen to him and entertain astrology, because he was forcibly trying to bring astrology into my life. And the fact that I wouldn't listen to him was making him angry. And he figured if I can at least get her to listen to it and entertain it because it's what I like then I can turn her, um, he can possibly insert lust into there, his lustful desires to have sex in there as well, if he can just get me alone. And I definitely was hearing all of those motives in what he was saying, even though he wasn't saying it. And that's what's so incredible about God. But that takes me to my next question, right? Because I share this story for a reason. I share this because it was a red flag I took very seriously. And I should finish the story by saying that after this, um, it started to blow up because he really was getting frustrated with the fact that I refused to let him. He started speaking over me as, oh, you're a Virgo and you tend to be this and this and that. And I said, you know, when I spoke about Christ, I talked about, you know, what Christians believe, what we believe. And I would prefer it if you said, as an astrologist, this is what I believe, um, instead of speaking it over me as a fact because I believe words have power and when people try to speak things over you it's actually them speaking a curse over you and I said this to him and I was like like when you cursed earlier in our conversation I believe that you brought in a spirit into this conversation which is why we're arguing right now and he started to grow silent because he started to realize how much I understood spiritually and I think he had underestimated me before that moment which was fine Because I was actually realizing that God was using him to help me learn um, about a lot of the issues that women tend to run into in the dating realm. Um, So it was just interesting. But like, you know, it goes into my second question. But oh, sorry. Um, Basically, as it started to get heated, I just told him, you know, like he was out of line and to do all of that on my birthday. 
he hung um we hung up and i just told him you know like this is inappropriate to continue forward and um and i think he was bothered more so that i was not interested and i told him i wasn't interested from our very first conversation i just thought that maybe there was hope for us to be friends and i don't even see that happening because you're trying to insert your um beliefs into my life and that's not going to happen and so we hung up on that note and then I sent him an, um, a letter just saying, hey, look, um, just a text just saying, you know, like, I apologize for how I might have come off and how I might have made some comments to kind of like, yeah, I made some snarky comments. So I apologized for that. And then he accepted it. He apologized, too. And then he tried to take one last jab to make me feel bad about who I was and tried to talk about me being stubborn and not listening and um, inserting my beliefs when he didn't ask for it and. I was like, I'm sorry. I thought we were getting to know each other. I didn't realize that you were the one that did all the talking and I wasn't allowed to speak. And so he started and I said, you know, you should probably work on growing to listen just as much as you talk. And so um, and I told him that, you know, I'm I'm going to ignore the bad that you're trying to, you know what I mean? Like highlight. But I'm I'm going to take the good out of this and I'm going to take the lesson out of this. And then he couldn't even really respond back because of the fact that, like, I left it on a good note. I was committed to leaving it on a good note, no matter how much he was trying to attack me. And I was choosing not to be influenced by his lack of. Um, I feel like he was just frustrated that he couldn't manipulate on any level. And I think that that's the root of where the frustration was coming from, because I've been aware spiritually of what was coming out of him the whole time. And um, although he wasn't, he was too busy talking, he didn't realize how much I knew, because he wasn't asking enough questions, and that was the problem. But either way, I believe God blinded him to keep him from understanding anyways. Um, but my second question, what spirits were present and how is divination using it to gain control over me, right? So I told you some of the spirits that were present. Now, there was, lust was the root of it. And then it partnered with manipulation. Manipulation slowly started to turn into control. Control only came in the more him and I started to talk. So by the third conversation, by the second conversation, we only had two conversations. The first conversation, it wasn't like that. He was still on his best behavior. I had only learned about lust, and um, his lack of ability to take accountability. So I knew there was some form of manipulation there. And by the third conversation is when I started to see how controlling he was. Um, and then the control brought in the divination because he needed to divide me, move, like remove, create a divide between me and God in order to accomplish having sex. Um, because I had so many boundaries up that he realized, well, in order to get to her boundaries, I have to basically create a division between the person who um, created the boundaries <laughs> with her. And so that was like um, the goal of the, the divination spirit. And it was trying to gain control by creating weakness in my, the foundation of my belief with God by inserting a different belief, um, by making me who that like by making me who astrology calls me to be it was how he was trying to speak that curse over me in order to bring divination between my belief with god 
And it was funny because as he was doing that, I felt like I was cheating on God by, I felt like he was trying to entice me to cheat on God. Literally, it felt like I was married and I'm listening to a man trying to convince me to step out on my husband. It's what it sounded like to me. And it was so crazy because it was the first time I ever had that experience. And it was the first time it made me realize, wow, I understand why I am supposed to feel married to the Lord and learn how to be a bride to God first. So when God introduces my husband, my husband sees me through God's eyes. And this man clearly didn't see me through God's eyes because he is using demonic spirit influences in order to gain um, what he had in mind, which was really selfishly motivated. So that was really what God was teaching me was how to navigate through that and how to help women navigate through a lot of that um, demonic influence that the moment you start to feel like someone is lustfully driven, like, what is he telling you? This guy told me he was married and that he stepped out on his wife after she had just had a kid. So as nice as he tried to make that sound in order to gain my sympathy, he made it about, um, how he felt and how he felt ignored and all that other stuff. I ignored all of that. You can't feed into the feeling. I paid attention to the fact that this man is operating under lust. And he has such a lustful desire that he's willing to say whatever he has to say in order to gain your sympathy for control. So that was something that God was teaching me. That a lot of men approach dating with manipulation in mind at first. Some of them call it testing a woman to see what he can get away with. But at its root, it's manipulation. And a lot of it is like manipulation and just... And um, and I don't think we should approach dating with skepticism, but definitely be asking God about that man early on. I mean, from when this guy first messaged me, the first thing I asked God was, God, expose everything to me. So by the time him and I spoke, I started to hear spirits like off the bat. And he started to just open up and express even more. And so what's interesting is God gave me a dream perspective. So I had a dream that I was, um, that I'd been recycling and it was literally, it was weird. It was like in, in my dream, I had recycled so much that I had so much money coming back. So I had put so much into a machine, like mad bottles into like, it looked like a Coke machine and the machine was giving me like, and the funny thing is, is that I had put in more than I thought I did. But I was getting back an unfair amount. Like, I was getting back an amount of money that kind of just didn't make sense according to what I put in. But I think that just spoke to the fact that basically I was doing the hard work of collecting what I needed to collect and putting out the lessons that I'd gotten that God was giving me a favor that was giving me so much more than what I'd earned. And what was happening is, is I was getting the slips from each machine so because normally whenever you recycle, they give you these slips back. And and so like and normally they have like the amount of bottles that you recycled so you can be able to receive the money from the cashier. And so and this is my perspective because I recycle all the time. And so God was using that, <laughs> which is so incredible. But anyways, and the weird thing is, is I remember looking at the first receipt and mind you, these, I was going to different machines. I went to like four different machines and they all had these, and I don't even remember the exact number, but the number was crazy of amount of stuff. And I was looking at it and I was like, I don't remember putting in that much. It was just weird. 
But then I felt like God kept telling me to like, there's more coming. There's more coming. There's more coming. So I kept getting like, I got two receipts from the first one. I went to the next one. But what was weird is, is I had a man that kept trying to stand in front of me and kept trying to distract me. And he kept trying to entice me with like lust and stuff. And I just kept ignoring him and pushing him to the side to try and get like the receipts. And it's like, and I went to different machines, like four different machines, and they all kept giving me mad receipts. And I was trying to listen to what God was trying to, to how much receipts I was supposed to collect from each machine. What is this dream saying, right? So basically, God was just explaining to me that like, these, there's distractions that are coming in, and they're trying to keep me from um, the, from the promise that God has coming. And the the favor that God is bringing. It's like the enemy is trying to send people to distract me from from um, the work that God is doing through me. And, um, and it's, and God is giving me an awareness on how to sideswipe it and to not let it distract me and to keep collecting through the attacks. Um, and and that was just like really like the interesting thing. So the the machine kind of represented um, the work that I had put in, and the the receipts that the machine was giving me was literally the favor of God, and how the work that I had put in, um, God literally like superseded a million times um, the work on it. But the reason why God was giving me so much was my intention that even though something was in front of me that I perceived to have wanted, that I was willing to ignore that in order to focus on what God was telling me. And because of that, God kept spitting out more, 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 because my intention was more focused on God and not what, what the enemy was trying to use to distract me, which was a desire that I had was to be in a relationship that would lead to marriage. And this man knew that. So like I said, I said I had put too much on the page. So he knew what to say and how to say it. But because I was so in tune with God, I was more focused on God and was kind of pushing that relationship to the side because my purpose with God was more important and my relationship with God was more important. And I was not willing to sacrifice favor for something that I perceive to have wanted. And so God was just showing me that there was a, a consequence in a good way. Of, of making the decision that I made, that based on the decision that I made with this guy, he was an example of what the enemy had been trying to do. And because I was kind of like, you know, like, you know, Abraham bringing his son to sacrifice him, it was the same way that God had saw it as my sacrifice, was being willing to sacrifice what I want in order to focus on God and what he's doing in that current moment. And I realized that using that experience was allowing me to use a megaphone to shout it as loud as I can to other women who don't really understand the art of war. Like God has all these marriages that are coming for women who are single and we're kind of falling into the distraction of men who just want a lustful desire fulfilled and they're willing to say everything it is that you say you want because we talk a lot in the beginning. In this step, God kept my mouth shut and allowed me to listen to the guy and I actually learned about his desires and his manipulative ways that allowed me to close the door on this one as early as possible before it had any effects, you know? 
Because the more we entertain these false distractions, the longer it takes us to get into this promised land. So, but that was what God was trying to teach me and, um, and how to dodge. And the dream was basically just showing me like dodging lust, right? By blocking and how not dodging lust would have cost, um, me to basically forfeit, um, where I was going and the favor that was ahead of me but I was prioritizing the favor and the and what God was giving me and what he wanted me to use it for was more important um than this guy because remember I was recycling so recycling what are you doing you're kind of using something that they then take purify it and then reuse it for new use and so God was seeing that as my experience, I was willing to use that to then um, expose it and be vulnerable and use my vulnerabilities to strengthen people that would then be used in their lives. So, um, yeah, and that was a crazy breakdown. But anyways, my next question, we're almost done here, but my next question is, what is divination's goal? And I believe, I think I started to touch on this already, but like, the goal of that spirit of divination is to separate you and God's thinking. So it brings in doubt, which is what he was doing, brings in doubt into your relationship with God in order to create a force between, um, in order to create like a fear and um, to keep you in a cycle of attack and to eventually discourage you enough to give up on God altogether. And, um, and it uses control through fear to do that, Right. So now this one last dream I want to share with you is I had a dream that I was connected to a group of people and we were in my neighbor's house um, and in my neighbor's house, um, there was like a, a whole group of people, mostly female, but a little bit of male and um, and like everybody was had a gun out and they were shooting each other and I was starting to pull away from this group. But I would just stand there and look at them. And I saw how they would like shoot each other, but nobody would have blood. Like there would be no blood, no wounds, but they would just keep shooting at each other. And so I started to grow very vexed in my spirit and disturbed that I pulled away. And as I pulled away, um, as I pulled away spiritually, I started to um, walk towards the door. And then I noticed that one of the girls got up and started to chase me. And then um, I ran and I made a left. Now my neighbor has a bigger yard in the back and then it, and there's a fence and then there's the third house that connects to my neighbor's house. And in the dream, I ran left and I ran towards the fence, towards my neighbor's house and was gonna hop the fence. And then the guy at the door told the girl where I was going, the direction I went. And she actually made a right to try and um, meet me at the the backyard. Um, so, like, she basically tried to cut me in a circle. And I was about to keep running. And I noticed that that spirit was about to run a circle around me, right? It was like trying to use fear to keep me running. And then literally just as I was about to run or keep running away from her, that it felt like God was giving me all this energy. I had the energy to keep running. 
But at some point, God goes, why are you running? As soon as I was literally head on facing her, about to run in a different direction. And God was like, why are you running? And I thought it was a strange question. And I was like, I always run. And just literally as soon as I said that, I was like, oh my God, why am I running? (laughs) And then immediately I stopped. I got into my war stance like I was ready to fight. And immediately that spirit just disappeared. And it was crazy because God taught me a lot. Now it's going to break down the dream. Now, the neighbor's house represents a community that I was in um, and how in the community I started to witness people operating the spirit of divination, shooting it at each other. But they had become so numb to the effects of it that um, that it concerned me. And I actually started to want to um, I actually started to pull away from the spirit. And me pulling away meant that I was likely of exposing it. So one of the leaders, which was the girl who chased me, chased after me in order to um, install more fear to keep me from exposing it. So I ran towards the left, which kind of more represented for me personally in this dream, the context of this dream. I ran more towards the promise of God and... um, and towards like, you know, like towards the marriage and the the ministry that God has for me. And um, and the girl's goal wasn't necessarily about the direction. It was more so about um, her trying to catch me, trying to trap me in a circle. So she's operating in a divination spirit that wanted to keep me in a looping attack. And the looping attack that I had been in is that I had actually been partnered with the spirit for so many years that I didn't know it was there. So it was a stronghold. But the stronghold was a spirit that was a self-sabotaging spirit. So I would get into relationships and because I had expected it to eventually fail, I would literally sabotage the relationship the closer this person got to my feelings. And so um, this girl actually had a tendency of always kind of stepping in right as I literally both times that I caught feelings for a guy, she always happened to come in right when I caught feelings for him. So as soon as I caught feelings for him, she would kind of like step in and be like someone that he all of a sudden is enamored with. And I was noticing that it wasn't about her. It was about the the spirit um, that was in her that kept me in a looping fear. And what God was making me stand against was the fact that Like, this is a spirit that keeps coming against your marriage. And a while back, you know what I mean? Like, and I knew that it wasn't really so much about my marriage, but it was about the anointing and everything that would come from my marriage. And so this girl represented um, a spirit that was kind of trying to loop its way into another promise. That was another upgrade that God had for me, right? So basically God was just encouraging me to stand up against it and stop being afraid of it and running away from it. Like you had a season where you can run because until your authority expanded, but once your authority expanded, you have to stop running and you have to know that you can take this thing down. And God was just like, you know, cause it, in all my running dreams, I'd always run and never got caught. Problem is, is that God was just telling me that like, yeah, you don't need to run anymore. You actually have authority against this thing. 
And as soon as I realized that, I, the moment I planted my feet in, she was gone. She couldn't even fight me. So it was one of those things that God was helping me to realize that it's it's all in the mind that divination likes to use fear and it likes to control it creates control tactics with fear and it was it was keeping my marriage at um it was allowing it to come close but then make it appear very far away by seeming to take away what was mine but it wasn't that's the thing and God was just like you know the enemy's attacks aren't spontaneous it's not like God doesn't see it coming but God uses it to weed out the uh, the distractions that we didn't realize were distractions. So this last guy I'd actually caught feelings for, um, I found out through a long season of being um, consecrated and being um, releasing all these soul ties that I had with different unhealthy things. And one of the things inside of the neighbor's house, one of the important things was that I had a soul tie with these group of people. And I'd actually been, and the reason why I was stepped to the side was because I was breaking that soul tie with them. And that I had actually broken the soul tie by running out the house. And that spirit, because it was more afraid of being exposed and things, and because it realized how much I saw in the spirit, um, it actually was trying to use its prior influence that's always worked. It's always kept me running and looping into the same issue. Um, and it was trying to use that to keep my mouth shut spiritually which affects your voice prophetically so it keeps you from speaking prophetically which is like a form of like being in jail really when you operate in a high prophetic level it's kind of like when some when the enemy manages to shut your mouth prophetically it, it can make you start to despise yourself and it it just allows the spirit of divination to take its own control over you spiritually and so i share that all to just say basically that that divination spirit was basically um, trying to use fear to keep my mouth shut and to keep me in a looping cycle of not allowing um, not allowing the next upgrade that God was introducing me to. It was trying to get me into that same loop that basically the promise of the next one was under attack. That the enemy knew that God was redirecting me to leave this one and that that meant a new upgrade was coming and as the upgrade was coming, um, the enemy was trying to attack that and get me back into the same loop. But God was just like, no, this one um, you have authority against because this one is actually it. And I protect my promise. If if a, if anything attacks your, your quote promise, um, then you have to question if that was something that was in within the will of God because God says he protects his promise it's a promise that he says throughout the Bible old and new testament God protects his promises and that's something we learn and because of that if God has you know what I mean like God is going to fulfill it and do everything he can to make it come to pass and so that was like something that was broken off of me very recently so I share all of that just to say that as you approach your promised land these are giants that are going to be addressed in the single life. And the only thing that really prepared me for that attack was, um, number one, discernment to know what soul ties to pull away from. And um, the clarity that quarantine came with to, to help me to see the unhealthy soul ties I had. And, um, and it helped me to pull away from distractions 
that was trying to delay my promise. Because you remember the enemy can't stop you from your promise land, but he can delay it. Um, yeah, but yeah. So, I mean, it goes right into my last question, which is how does focusing... This is a long one. So really just kind of take this in. How does focusing on who you're becoming and not what's in God's hand help you to survive the fight against um, the giant in the promised land? And I started to touch on that, so we don't have to expand that too much. But the idea is, is that when you develop, the moment God starts to talk to you about praying for your husband and things like that, it's a character buildup. And, um, and it's not about who he is. Because honestly, I'd learned, I fell into a lot, of, I fell into two different distractions because I started to kind of make it about at times who the person is. And what that did was it made it easier for the enemy to bring something very similar to use to manipulate. And so I encourage you with this, that character is more important. God is invested in how you handle in your character that can sustain the promise. And when that comes first, you're naturally going to attract your promise in its due time. But I think it's irrelevant to focus on who the person is. Um, but it's really just more important to develop your character and do and ask yourself, do I have the character to be a wife to to this person that God is promising? Do I have the character to sustain the promise and the calling of where God is taking me? Right. So the career that God has for me, can my character sustain it? Do I have the ability to be a person who can manage the people who work under me with integrity and with honor and to do it in such a way that reflects the word of God. That takes time if I'm doing it in the will of God, right? So those are things that our character has to develop into. It's not about money and the love of money that makes people want to cut corners or the love of being married to feel like you belong. So you approach marriage with this needy, selfish desire. So when they don't meet your needy, selfish desire, you become more prone to look at it elsewhere. And that's where all of that ties in. There was giants in the promised land, right? And one of the things God showed me is that one of the giants in your promised land is going to have to be like old voices that try to old, like people who knew you in your past talking against your promise because they don't think you deserve it because they've seen what you've done. And then there's going to be, right, there's going to be people around you that become jealous and they want what you have, so they try to covet it. And that was the spirit that chased me, right? And then there's going to be the distractions, right? And all they're going to do is try to convince you that what's for you is not, is not it. And it wants you to basically think that what God has for you, you don't deserve it. And those are the the giants that you have to fight they're not literal giants they're they're spiritual giants and whatever that looks like in your life in me in my life that's what it looked like it looked like one big old spirit that made me feel like I didn't deserve what I got and I had to deal with partnering with a spirit that I did a long time ago that was a self-sabotaging spirit and those are things that take time and it takes really a it takes a humility 
to stop and be like, God, what is it in me that needs to go? And it takes a commitment to allow Holy Spirit to take over your soul, to allow the Spirit of God to bring you into the promised land. Because we can't do it in our own strength. We can't. There's a lot of frustrations that come as you're approaching your promised land. And there is fights inside of the promised land. God made it clear that I was in the promised land. And when you understand that, the, your inner fight changes. Suddenly, instead of giving up and being like, you know what, I might as well just give in to this guy because I've been single for 10 years. And it's easy for, you know what I mean? And at this point, my clock is ticking. And I can have all the excuse in the world that sounds valid. But then that day, at the end of the day, it's not about my desire to be married. It's about the purpose and the will of God to fulfill his anointing and calling and to bring people into a relationship with God is what it's about. My marriage is supposed to reflect his glory. My marriage is supposed to reflect um, people coming into the Lord. Relationships, marriages being restored and growing. And I believe that doing this podcast as to encourage women to celebrate singleness is the first step to a healthy marriage in the future. It's to learn how to be present enough to see when a guy is like, you know, interested in you versus when he wants something for you. Is he approaching me in selfishness of his own needs or is he approaching me to see how he can serve and um, bring something to serve me with? You know what I mean? Is he, does he have an attitude of a servant or does he have an attitude of someone who feels entitled to get what it is that he needs? Does he approach relationships with control or does he approach it with um, meekness and integrity? Like, you know what I mean? And um, and those are things I believe that we need not just discernment for. It's not good enough to be like, oh, I get good vibes, I get bad vibes, because that can be faked. But it's discerning of spirits. This man had a great or like a great vibe about him. Like he was very open, very honest. You didn't have to pull his truth for honesty. You had to pull him his teeth to speak up. But at the end of the day, it took me having to discern his spirit to really see the truth. So now with all that being said, I believe that a huge part of um, conflict in this aspect is like when you have conflicts early on, pay attention to them. Conflicts early on in dating, pay attention the the spirits attack very early on like the the like whenever you're introduced to something new there's a spiritual high that we get on where it's like something new you're you're kind of caught up in the feelings of embracing this new thing but that's when it's most important to have um discernment and what are you discerning and you know and um and i believe that the conflicts is something that like we shouldn't be afraid of because had I been afraid to have these conflicts with the group of people or the the guy that I was mentioning earlier um or you know what I mean had I been afraid of those conflicts instead of dealing with them and not allowing what it's giving off to affect my emotions right and not drive my emotions but I managed to stay focused on peace and keep myself in a posture of peace through it it made the fight a lot easier to conquer and a lot easier to win because it gave me it didn't allow their emotion to become my emotion 
which is how easily you can the demonic realm can impart spirits but it allowed me to stay in a posture of peace and a meditation on god through the attack that instead it blessed my enemy by allowing him to be more affected by my ability to have such a strong intense relationship with god so i want to read this last poem before i end this podcast it's a quick one i call jehovah jireh his attention had a cost when it started slowing down my drive he became too expensive pleasing him meant cheating on my first love slowing me down gets him closer to lustful desires fulfilled his spirit said if i can turn her eyes off god finding the doubt in her strong belief then there then there i am one step closer sex was the goal conquering the unconquerable by searching for a foothold of loneliness inside it started in seemingly an innocent phone conversation looking for unfulfilled place and attempting to magnify a small imperfection in me that search of an imperfection only made me boost boast in it as an area perfected climbing to a position above my desire for god and just listening to the spirit made me feel like i was cheating on my beloved who loved me who loves me and is unwilling to let me and let men like him connect with the spirit inside me and he notices that spirit inside me all right my stubborn rigid ways and refusing to let feelings drive my car no matter how much he tried to see what buttons he could find to trigger any anxiety available the goal was manipulation and control and seeing how much permission loneliness would give him attempting to bypass my mind to play on the strings of my soul through my heart which was within my soul because he knew what i wanted but didn't anticipate the stubborn focus on my marriage to God comes first. I stood up unwilling to entertain a selfish desire at the cost of my relationship, unwilling to collect more than one flag. I hung up the phone, took all the good he taught me, blessed my enemies operating through him, and found a megaphone to testify exposing spirits against singles with marriage seasons approaching. He, here is the war strategy. Be satisfied with you. Learn to be a wife and be faithful to God first is one of the giants in your promised land. Keep the focus on God and not what's in his hand. Without what your without that, your aim with the rock will never take down any beliefs that look to block your way. It's about who you're becoming that strengthens the warrior that cuts off the head and feeds the str- and feeds the strength in the revelation to those that rely on Jehovah Jireh your desires alone are simply sinking sand and so that was my poem that i wrote it was just like those random prophetic poems and i wrote that to encourage um to encourage you that you have to learn how to trust what God has shown you and that's the first step with discernment and then be willing to take it to the next step which inquires you to gain understanding and understanding comes through healing and 
you have to be willing to heal and you have to be willing to um, pursue the the knowledge of God in order to grow into discerning of spirits. And then you start to be able to distinguish one from the other. And that's because God learns to trust you and he begins to give you authority and he begins to understand that your intention is to use it to help others. I don't think we should be building in the kingdom if it's not with the intention to love your neighbor. And that was what that dream was about when you saw people shooting each other because people are so after being seen and being known and they're not after building the kingdom and building each other up and making each other stronger. And that's what it should be about. God is never going to allow ministries to prosper when all the focus is is on self, not on love. Because love should want to build up its neighbor your neighbor love should want to approach a woman with respect and approach a man with respect love should want to um not be jealous because jealousy is a form of dishonor but to want to strengthen and encourage your sister and not inflict your insecurities onto someone we have a duty to deal with our insecurities so as we approach relationships we approach conflicts as as something as an opportunity to connect with someone and um and that connection that intention for connection allows us to grow and build something beautiful with someone um and allow love to flourish like a flower within the relationship instead of it using to be torn down other people cuz selfishness is is a form of hate and it's the opposite of love and um and i think that when we grow in love we grow the ability to not make everything so me centered but be willing to at least understand even if i may not agree and it's a form of it's it's a way that people feel loved and it's a way that minimizes loneliness and it can even dismantle the spirit of suicide by just understanding not even agreeing um, and I, I pray for a world where we can be so, um, celebrate, like we can really celebrate singleness in such a way that it allows people to be blessed by our single life. And we can bring that, that, um, celebration of singleness into marriage and allow it to be something that our husband is benefits from. And it's all with the intention of meditating on God through every situation not, you know, meditating through a man trying to get to know me. What's his intention? Meditating through females trying to be friends with me. Um, what's their intention? Um, meditating through groups that I tie myself to. Meditation. You know what I mean? Just meditating through all of that. And every change, every attack. God, what's happening? God, what is this? God, what are they attacking? And all of those things, all those questions you ask God, God is going to answer, right? Because when we ask for wisdom, he gives it. And I only got all this wisdom that I shared with you guys today because I'd asked, I asked God for the wisdom to know what is it about this man that's drawn to me? What is it that I'm picking up about him? Because um, a lot of the understanding of that conversation was within the conversation, but majority of it was in hindsight, like looking back. And so that is what kind of increases that watchman um tendency that I tend to have so like it's easier for me to see further out when I see that coming in 
And because I'd seen a lot of that before, it turned into a watchman thing where it's easier for me to detect the possibility of something, but still open to the fact that this man may just be innocent. Um, and that's a balance. But I think it takes an intentionality to learn how to meditate through everything, to meditate through a guy trying to kick game, meditate through a female trying to um, compare herself to you, through um, a group of people that may not like you, um, just meditating through all of those things. Um, and not allowing people to easily disturb your peace. And that when people have their own personal issues, you allow them to have their own personal issues to themselves and not allow it to affect you. And I think that's the biggest warfare is that if someone, for instance, is angry and they come at you with this angry stance and position and they find a way to pick a fight and you because you feel disrespected, you easily give into it. That's the impartation of that anger. And at some point, you get, as you mature, you get tired of having to rebuke yourself of that anger that you flew into because of how strongly they projected it onto you. But you just learn that I have a choice. I can get off of being offended. Like I can choose to submit my offense to the Lord. And the sooner I do it, if I can submit that offense before it even happens, submit that offense while it's happening. I think that that's when you know you've meet, reached a peak of maturity is when somebody can currently be offending you and your reaction is more of love than it is of retaliation. Um, it's hard to fight retaliation, but retali- but that that dedication to peace is what helps us to fight conflict you know to be able to operate well in conflict resolution to not be afraid of conflict and to operate with such dedication to peace and that i believe is the celebration of singleness in early conflict of dating you know is knowing yourself all of this is impossible without knowing yourself i think handling conflict is hard to do when you don't know who you are So I encourage you, get to know yourself, learn how to meditate alone, spend so much time in that secret place, especially when you're single. That's the key to celebration of singleness is that meditation, that time alone, that sacred place. My room is my sacred temple to a point that every time I walk away, I lock my door because it's a sacred place for me and God. It's a sacred place. It's plastered with paintings everywhere to think of a different part of my journey I was in with God and dreams and desires plastered everywhere because it's a space for God and I. It's a place for God and I and it's a place where I regularly have music playing and things like that because it's a special place for him and I. And I encourage you to do the same. Find a space for just you and God where no one else comes. But um, I just want to end this off real quick prayer and then give you guys my email once again. But thank you, God, that you are Jehovah Jireh, that you are our provider. You are everything we need, God. So when counterfeits and distractions come, God, we are unmoved and we are too focused on you to have any part of the distraction. That the distraction cannot distract us from our blessings because we are too focused on you, Lord. We bless you, God. We pray for an authentic love to, to, um, to have with you, an authentic hunger and thirst for you in this season, Lord. As our promise 
is here, Father God. We pray that you continue to allow us to intercede in such a way that brings power and glory to your name. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Once again, my email is, in Jesus' name, sorry, amen. <laughs> Once again, my email is S-H-A-M-M-A-D-I-E-U-J-U-S-T-E at yahoo.com. Once again, my name is Shama, and this is the Celebration of Singleness. Love you all. See you next week.